Our hot topic today is five habits of the successful Christian. And I want to start off with a definition of what we mean by successful Christian. We don't mean someone who is successful in other areas and is also a Christian. What we mean is they are successful as a Christian, being able to apply all of the biblical things to our lives and finding success as Christ wants for us as his followers. Hi, this is Robert Furrow. Welcome to Hot Topics. If you're new here, consider liking, subscribing, sharing, and ringing the bell so you can get all of our new content. The comment section is open below. We would love to hear from you. Let's take a look at five habits of the successful Christian. The first one is that the successful Christian keeps short accounts with God. In other words, doesn't have lengthy times where they have unconfessed, unrepented sin in their lives. When we blow it, when we make a mistake, when we sin, even if it's something that we struggle with, we want to go and make things right as soon as we possibly can. We know that we are going through the sanctification process. And we also understand that God's working within us and God's working sin out of our lives. But the Bible tells us in 1 John 1, 8 and 9, that if we say we don't have sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth isn't in us. That means that as long as we're in this body, we will never have a sinless perfection. Now, when we are in our glorified bodies, we will have sinless perfection, but not now. The Bible says that our flesh battles against our spirit and our spirit against our flesh, so we don't do the things that we want to do. So when we sin, 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I love that that's the very next verse after it says, if you think you have no sin, you're deceiving yourself. So that we know when we sin, we can take care of it. And when we confess it, God is faithful to forgive it. We're also told in the Lord's Prayer, that is, Jesus told us, when you pray, pray in this manner. And then it's a daily prayer because he says, give us this day our daily bread. And in Matthew 6, 12, it says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That is, we are to ask for forgiveness on a daily basis. It's one of the things that I do when I pray. One of the first things that I do is just evaluate. Is there anything I need to repent from? Remember, the Bible tells us that we can have hidden faults that have dominion over us. So it's good for us to say, search us, try us, see if there's any wickedness in me, and then lead me in the way everlasting. We also have the example of Jesus washing Peter's feet. Peter said, you're not going to wash my feet. And Jesus said, if I don't wash your feet, then you have no part in me. It wasn't that he wasn't going to be saved. It's that his fellowship was going to be broken. And that's what happens when we have unconfessed, unrepentant sin in our lives. Our fellowship with God is broken, which can lead to more sin. And so Peter said, well, not only my feet, but my head and my hands. And Jesus said, I don't have to wash your head and your hands. They're already clean. If you wash your feet, then you are clean. So when we confess our sins, we are cleansed. Our fellowship with God is restored. It's not that we're unsaved. It's that we have that restoration. And having a right relationship with God and the fellowship restored can keep us from further sin. After David's sin with Bathsheba and Uriah, David was quiet for about a year. In fact, he looked like the hero in that he had invited Bathsheba into his harem. But then Nathaniel came and pointed out that there was sin, and David immediately repented. And you can read Psalm 51 to find his repentance. But David talks about the time that he was silent in Psalms 32 
2 through 4. Listen to what he says. Blessed is the man whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. And David's sin was forgiven. He knew that he was blessed because God didn't impute the iniquity to him. And then he says this, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. So we're just being honest with God. When I kept silent, he says, my bones grew old through my groanings all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into drought of summer, Selah. Selah means stop and think about it. David says, when I was quiet, my bones dried up within me. There was something that happened inside because he went so long without making things right with God. The best advice that we could get from the scriptures is to keep short accounts with God, making sure things are right with him. The second habit of a successful Christian is that he keeps things right with people around him. Not only do you keep things right with God or keep a short account with God, but you make sure that you are doing justly, that you are treating people properly. The Bible tells us in Romans 12, 18, if it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. This means that we have to make an effort to be at peace with everyone. God knows that this is not going to be 100% successful or 100% possible. So he says, as much as it depends on you, you endeavor to live peaceably with all people. We also know that there's the law of sowing and reaping in the Bible. The Bible says in Galatians 6, 7, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, he will also reap. And the Bible tells us the mercy we give is the mercy we're going to receive. If we don't forgive, we will not be forgiven. The way we judge is the way we're going to be judged. And so God treats us the way we treat people around us. I think that's because the most important thing to God is the way we treat people. Sometimes we can think it's a struggle that we have, but if you are mistreating people, God cares about that deeply, so much so he'll get your attention through the law of sowing and reaping. We're also told that we are to treat people the way that we want to be treated. This is the golden rule, right? So it says in Matthew 7, 12, therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. This is the way we keep the law and the prophets, loving God and loving people. We also know that if you mistreat people, that if you aren't right with the people around you, that it can hinder your prayers. Listen to what it says to a husband who's not treating his wife properly in 1 Peter 3, 7. Husbands likewise, dwell with them with understanding, meaning dwell with your wife with understanding, giving honor to the wife as the weaker vessel. And that word weaker there is connected to valuable. And it's not talking about her intellect or the equality that she has. It's talking about physical strength. We know that in general, guys are stronger than their wives. There may be the exception that proves the rule where in the middle of the night, there's a bump and she says, you stay asleep. I'm going to take care of this. But that's the exception. For the most part, men are stronger and are to take care of their wives. In fact, when I do weddings, I talk about God taking a rib that's close to Adam's heart because his wife was supposed to be close to his heart and under his arm of protection. And God wants us to protect our wives. It goes on to say, as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together in the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. That is that if you are mistreating your wife, your prayers can be hindered. God cares deeply about the way we're treating people around us. So we keep short accounts with God and we make sure that we are treating people around us correctly. The third habit of a successful Christian is that he lives a life of repentance. That is that we are turning away from those things that are wrong to those things that are right. 
And repentance is one of those really misunderstood things. People often think, I don't feel bad, I don't have regret, I don't cry, therefore, I haven't really repented. Or they think, I've cried, I felt bad, I have regret, therefore, I've repented. But remember, Esau sought repentance with tears and couldn't find it. Just because you feel bad doesn't mean you've repented. You may cry, you may have regret, but when you do what's right, that's repentance. When you change your behavior, that's the repentance. One of the best examples that I can think of of this kind of repentance comes from the movie A Christmas Carol. I watched it with my wife this Christmas season. And you remember that Ebenezer Scrooge is an awful guy. And then he's visited by the spirit of Christmas past, present, and future. And by the time he gets to the end, he says, are you showing me things that can be changed or is this permanent? He wakes up on Christmas morning, realizes that the spirits all did it in one night and he changes. That's repentance. There's no tears. There's no regret, at least on the outward, but he repents and he changes and he becomes a whole new person. And that's exactly what repentance is. When you realize that you're wrong, it may be accompanied with grief or feeling bad or tears, but it doesn't have to be. What really matters is that you change directions when you saw that something was wrong. The fourth thing that a successful Christian does is that he applies God's word well. That is, he listens to what God says and says, I want to do that. He studies the scriptures with ears that hear, ready to do what God has said. Listen to what the Bible says about scripture. It says in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Everything we need comes in the word of God. And that's why we put it above everything, our feelings, what we think, God's word takes preeminence in our lives. And when you read that God wants you to do something and you do it, that's faith. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So you read or you hear something in the word of God and then you put it into action and now you are a man and woman of faith. And the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. We also know that there's a blessing in keeping God's word because it's God's word and there's so much benefits to it. But listen to what Jesus said. He was preaching and a woman cried out to him. Listen to what it says in Luke 11, 27 through 28. And it happened as he spoke these things, that a certain woman from the crowd raised her voice and said to him, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts that nurse you. But he said more than that, blessed are those that hear the word of God and keep it. What an amazing passage. Yes, Mary is blessed among women. Yes, she had an incredible privilege, but Jesus says more than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. A successful Christian handles the word of God well and keeps it. The fifth and final habit of a successful Christian is that he makes love a priority. We know the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, in the first three verses, that even if we have all knowledge, we speak in every language, we give our body to be burned, that it profits us nothing, that we are nothing, that we're just making noise. We know that love is the most important motive that we can have. I also think it's good for us to ask, what does love tell me to do? Sometimes in a situation, we just don't know what to do. Things got complicated, there's difficulties, and you are wondering what's the right thing for me to do here. One of the best things you can do is to ask, 
what does love tell me to do? Listen to what it says in 1 John 4, 15 and 16. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. When we walk in love, when we ask what does love tell us to do, when we love the unlovable, we abide in God because God is love. We also know that love is the highest call for believers, that this is what God wants for us to love the people around us. Listen to what it says in 1 Peter 4 8. And above all things, have a fervent love for one another. Love will cover a multitude of sins. Above all things, have a fervent love for one another. That's the highest call in our lives. If you and I will walk in love, keep short accounts with God, treat the people around us right, listen to the word of God, all of these things will help us to be successful as Christians and our lives will never be the same. And I believe the influence that you will have for the sake of God will be great. Men will see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. I hope this has been helpful. We'll see you next time on Hot Topics.